Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Today's episode is going to be maybe a little more therapeutic than it's going to be educational, um, but I was in a situation recently that kind of inspired this episode. And maybe I want to start with a little bit of a visualization to help you put yourself in the right mindset. Um, every town or every person's commute probably has a, uh, an intersection or a scenario where uh, you find people making bad driving decisions. Um, and for me, you know, in Massachusetts, there's probably some people would argue there's more of them than uh, than other states. But uh, there's one path on my daily driving that is a single lane road and at the end of that road there is a left turn lane and just on the, and just through that intersection is the uh is another left hand turn to get onto the highway um and the single lane tends to back up during busier times for traffic you know commutes whatever it may be and in de- you know almost every single day uh you'll if you follow the rules of the, lo- the road you're supposed to stay in that right lane and go through that light if you're trying to get on the highway um, but without, you know, fail, a number of people will drive down the left side lane, um, which is designed to make a left-hand turn onto the next road. And then at the last moment, they will cut into the oncoming traffic to the right lane, or, uh, for the truly egregious ones, they will drive straight through the left turn lane and cut through the intersection to get onto the, the next turn for the highway. So, Every day I watch this and I look in my rearview mirror and I see them coming and I know exactly what they're planning to do. And it starts to cause anger in my in my brain. It uh, for some reason, um, it gets me upset. It gets me angry and you know has me starting to think about what could I do to that person or to stop this from happening. Um, and the point of today's episode is really about understanding that in times of stress, where you put your focus and where your mind goes, may lead to your uh, ultimate decision-making and, and how you do that and how that relates to your financial planning decisions. So uh, we're going to talk a little about, um, uh, I think that that's going to be the end of my traffic talk. Um, and hopefully uh, for anyone who's driven in traffic situations, you know exactly where I'm coming from. But in that moment, uh, I've had to kind of you know identify that's going to be the case. Um, and then the second thing I have to do is start to process it internally and say, okay, well, what are my p- potential options? I could, you know, veer into traffic and slow them down. Um, I could try to keep the gaps tighter. So when they try to merge back in, they don't have space. Um, I could honk, I could curse, I could do a lot of different things, but invariably I can't control the decisions they made, uh, to make a bad decision or to kind of break the rules of the road. And ultimately, no matter how much uh, people try, they always get back in. They always cut through traffic and you could say they won. Um, And, you know, so what I try to do is, you know, avoid that anger and that frustration building up on me so that it might carry into my next decision of how I'm driving or, you know, what I'm going to do next. And that's true in financial planning. It's true in a lot of other aspects. So ultimately, what we're going to talk about today is how stressful situations in your financial planning uh, can lead to um, possibly uh, emotional or irrational decisions, and maybe some tips or tricks that you can start to help yourself prepare for those situations.
So uh, if you've ever read the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, uh, one of the areas he talks about is the circle of concern uh, versus the circle of influence and ultimately your circle of control. And when we think about what most people spend their time thinking about, you know, everyone's got a lot of concerns in their life. Um, you know, they've got family, work, uh, investments, planning, goals, you know, a whole different thing. So, but when it comes to right now, what's happening in the world, a lot of people want to talk about, you know, they're worried about what's happening um, in Ukraine. They're worried about what's happening with inflation, uh, the job market, you know, you know, all those types of things. And ultimately for the average investor, for the average person, we can't control what's going to happen in Ukraine. And we really probably can't influence it at all. Um, we can't really have much say in what happens with inflation or what the Fed does uh, with interest rates. Um, so, but that's what most people want to spend a lot of their time focused on. And when you when you spend time focused on things that you cannot control, it usually increases your your overall anger, your um, your uh, your anxiety, your stress, your fear, and and those things can kind of snowball and, and build and build and build and. When they get to be the majority of your mindset, sometimes that leads to irrational decisions. So for somebody who is focused so much on the big things that they can't control, they might look at it in the short term and be like, you know what, things are never going to get better. And I can't, I can't take this. So I'm going to take all of my money and just put it in the bank. And you've heard me talk about, you know, the, uh, the way money grows over time and, you know, what happens with markets and down cycles. So we all know that, you know, that, the, for the average person that does that and takes all their money out of the market, five and 10 years down the road, they have a tremendous amount of regret saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I hadn't. I missed out on the recovery. I missed out on that uptick. Um, so it's because they let their fear and anxiety uh, and focused on the stress and you know the, the things that they couldn't control drive their decision making. So, and this might happen at work. So at work, New boss comes in. Uh, you know, uh, there might be some changeover. There might be a, a merger or acquisitions within your company, and those are ultimately things that you can't control. Um, but what you can do is you can say, well, you know, I can't control that, but what I can control is my effort level at work. I can control uh, or I can influence the groups I participate in, get my name out there more, and you know, you know, see my work and my value add. You know, uh, that what I provided this company. I can control my decision to maybe do some continuing education or learn a little bit more about a new subject that might increase my value to the company. Um, so, you know, there are things you can do along the way to, to, to increase uh, your level of influence and try to think, focus on the things that you can control. So let's talk about how this looks at from a, from a financial planning standpoint. Once again, we've got all these competing agendas. You might have some things going on at work. You might have some family challenges. Obviously, there's stuff happening in the geopolitical world, and all these things um, weigh on our decision making. And what you what you have to do is be able to identify. Okay, you know, I, I've got all these worries. I've got all these concerns. But are they things I can control, or are they things I can influence? Um, and by kind of asking yourself that question, that's the first. Uh, kind of assessment of, okay, is this something I should be worried about and focused on? Or is this something I just have to, to let go? And if it's something that you think you, oh, you know, this is something I think I can have some influence on. Um, that's really where you want to spend your time. So when it comes to your financial plan, what you want to be thinking about right now is in times of stress and anxiety and market turmoil and all those things that are out there, you want to take a step back and say, okay, well, what I can do is I can, I can control my, my allocation. 
Um, so I can look at, you know, my, my stock to bond exposure or my U.S. to international exposure, and I can make educated decisions about whether or not to do any rebalancing on, on that portfolio. Once again, knowing that the right decision is not to move to 100% cash if this is your 30-year money, because over time you need you need uh, growth in your portfolio to outpace inflation, and cash is just not going to be that asset class for the next 30 years. Um, so making sure that you don't make you know rash decisions and move to the, all the wrong uh, allocation, but you know maybe making some tweaks to you know your current investment allocation. Um, you know if you're maybe been more conservative and you realize that this is 30 year money, maybe you decide to, you know, take on a little more equity exposure or, um, you know, if you're close to retirement and you've got a, enough of a cushion there and you started to see some declines and you've maybe been more aggressive than you needed to be, you know, even though the markets are down, maybe it's the right time for you to take some risk off the table uh, to safeguard some of those assets. Um, you know, in the bond market, if you are, uh, you know, if you look at your bond allocation and you have all of one type of bond versus a diversified bond pool, you might just do some assessment of, okay, well, is this bond going to do what I think it's supposed to do? And if not, do I need to make some changes? Um, other things you can be thinking about is your tax planning. So, you know, we've talked in the past about Roth conversions and, you know, other uh, tax strategies, but when markets are down, you know, there tends to be two opportunities to look at. Um, for some, if you have money that's not in a qualified retirement plan, uh, if you have a mutual fund or stock that's lost value and you sell that stock, um, you would harvest what's called a tax loss. And that tax loss can be used to offset future gains or it could be used to offset income up to a, 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 a small threshold each year. Um, so if you, you know, let's say you really like Apple and you really like Microsoft, but you own Apple and when you bought it, since the time you bought it, it's lost money, you know, you could choose to sell Apple and buy Microsoft. So you, you're still invested in the markets, uh, but you get to harvest that tax loss. So, you know, it's a common strategy among investment managers um, that are looking for ways to, you know, uh, create some tax value in addition to the investment performance. Um, and if you have money that's mostly in qualified accounts, so let's say you opened up an IRA and you put a few thousand dollars in there last year and you've seen the value go down, you know, with the markets. Um, and you've heard things, people talk about the idea of Roth conversion, um, that might be the time to say, well, should I convert that to a Roth now? And if I'm converting it at a lower value and once it's inside the Roth, as markets recover, I get that recovery back inside my Roth IRA. Um, that might be a, you know, that's definitely something you can control or, you know, in, in your decision making and try to make the best of, of this current situation. Um, with all these types of things, you obviously want to make sure if there's tax related discussions, you're asking for advice from a tax expert or you're, you're doing your due diligence on, on the tax side as well. Um, the third thing you can control is your savings rates. So I know with inflation, things are costing more money and the idea of saving more might be challenging, but a lot of times people, you know, they're putting money in their 401k, they're putting a couple hundred dollars a month in the 529. And each time they open up the statement over the last month or quarter, last couple quarters, the values might have gone down. So what goes through their head is, well, I'm saving and all I'm doing is losing money, um, which on, on paper, your account balances may have gone down. But what you're actually doing is you're, you're buying more shares uh, for each dollar you're putting in. So because the, you know, the value of the fund or the value of the stock is down, you're buying more units uh, per dollar. And as the stock goes up, you're going to participate 
in more units. Cause if, you know, if it costs a hundred dollars to buy one share and you put a hundred dollars in, you own one share. But if that stock has dropped by 50% and you're still putting in your hundred dollars, you now own two shares. So as the markets recover and as that stock goes up for every dollar it goes up, you're now getting two shares uh, of gain on, on that, that stock as well. So, um, if you do have the ability to continue saving, um, you know, definitely keep doing that. If you have the ability to increase your savings rates right now and maybe buy more at a lower point, um, once again, might go against everything you're thinking about from a stress standpoint. But if you think logically and you think about the long term, markets will recover over time. So if I can buy some more things on sale and hold them for five or 10 years and capitalize on that gain to help with a college education or a vacation home purchase that I plan to make in 10 years or early retirement, those are the type of things that you want to be you know, focused on. So focusing on the things you can control. And so, you know, like I said, this might be a little more therapeutic and maybe building some mantras into your, your daily life. Um, I'll share with you my mantra to get through tough traffic situations. Um, you know, there have been points where I used to honk the horn a lot. I used to yell at strangers uh, that who couldn't hear me. Um, and ultimately, I had to say, you know what? Uh, it's not my job. So it's not my job to police them from making bad decisions. So, you know, trying to do anything that would influence their decisions, it's not my job. Um, and am I healthy? So assuming I haven't, they haven't crashed into me and I haven't crashed into them, I'm healthy. So if it's not my job and I'm healthy, I can get through that stretch of about a quarter of a mile without uh, losing my mind and then move on to the next thing in my day uh, that you know will, will most likely add a lot more joy to my life. So in your financial world, you want to maybe build some mantras. So when you, uh, uh, you know, open up the if you have your stock app, which, you know, try not to check too often, but if you can't stop checking it, you want to build a mantra. Say, you know, if it's red, you know what, that's good buying days. Uh, or if it's red today, you know, I don't need that money today. This is my 10-year or 20-year money. So I really don't have to worry about it or stress about it today. Um, if there's things, you know, so, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, same idea, when you open up your quarterly 401k statement and you see the balance is lower than it was last quarter, even though you put 500 or or $1,000 into it, it's still gone down. You know, the mantra might be, I didn't lose money. I, I bought some things on sale. So you have to have a few kind of uh, things that kind of keep you, uh, uh, your mind in the right place to avoid making the irrational decision. Because the irrational decision would say, oh, I lost money this quarter. I'm going to stop saving for good. And the only person that's hurting is you. Because we, you know, in order to achieve your long-term financial goals, you have to do some savings. Um, so by making a decision to stop saving, it's just hurting yourself. You know, pulling money out of the markets, once again, uh, the only person you're hurting long-term is yourself. So um, try to have those mantras that help you get through those. So, you know, identify the stress points, ask yourself, is this something I can control or influence? And then try to make the action or try to align your actions with what's best for you and your financial plan. Um, you know, every, there's no one mantra for everybody and there's not one perfect decision, but, you know, there is a right uh, mantra or plan for, for you and for your family. So once again, like I said, maybe not as educational as, as nuts and bolts as I've done in the past, but thought this was a good time to reflect on some of the things that may help you manage the emotional side of your financial planning as well. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. 
Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.